life of fulfillment starts with understanding your values. And when you know what truly motivates you, you can accomplish extraordinary things. Welcome to the Discover Your Values podcast, where each week we hear unique perspectives on human values with leaders who inspire us to explore the depth of our potential. Now, here's your host, Jacob J. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode. Today, we have with us Ethan Powell. Ethan is a financial services executive with over 25 years of experience, primarily in M&A and hedge funds. And we brought Ethan on the show today to talk about his company, Impact Shares, because he's doing a lot of work in the realm of values. And I'm excited to talk with him about this today. Ethan, welcome to the show. Jacob, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So glad you could join us. So, Ethan, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what you're doing with Impact Shares. Sure. So, as you mentioned, I've been in financial services for a long time. Started Impact Shares actually in 2014. And one of the things that happened out of the financial crisis of 2008 is the investing public really became apathetic towards active stock pickers. So, Morningstar did a study that said 85% of actively managed stock portfolios failed to beat their index over a 15-year period. And since 2008, you have almost $4 trillion of assets leaving actively managed funds going into what's called passively managed funds. So think of your S&P 500 type index fund. But what's interesting is the world of ESG or socially responsible investing, and ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance. That's grown tremendously over the same time period. So roughly from two and a half trillion to nine trillion dollars a day. I think what the investing public is saying is, look, if we don't think that Wall Street can generate excess risk-adjusted returns, what else can we do with our capital that's meaningful to us? And oftentimes that ends up being investing alongside our values. That's what we're doing at Impact Shares. We're partnering with leading social advocacy groups to bring single social issue investment strategies to the marketplace. That's great. That's pretty huge. I mean, the fact that that type of money is being shifted out of maybe traditional investment vehicles into you know, these types of programs. Yeah. And when you look at, at the different ESG strategies that are in the marketplace, most of them are E-oriented or sort of um, low carbon portfolios. And S, that social responsibility aspect is oftentimes called the messy middle, in part because, as you know, at Discover Your Values, everyone has different social priorities, right? And if you look at some of these big funds, it's kind of like, well, hey, look, trust me as an asset manager to identify those good corporate citizens. But oftentimes, as an investor, you look into your portfolio and you say, hey, why is this company in my ESG portfolio? It does not align with my system of values. So understanding your own values is is key and then aligning your capital to a fund that shares those values is, is sort of the next step. And that's what we're trying to solve. And so what we do is we work with, for example, the NAACP on a minority empowerment ETF. And we say, OK, what does a good corporate citizen look like through the lens of the NAACP, specifically as it relates to minority empowerment? So you're talking about an organization with 109 years of social advocacy work for people of color that are actively engaging the private sector to improve their business practices and in some cases products and services 
to better align with minorities here in the United States. And that's really what we're trying to build is that tool to elevate these social advocacy groups to be ambassadors for that cause to the private sector. And then obviously as an investor, right, if you understand that, hey, look, I really value racial equity and justice in the United States, you can look at the NAACP fund and say, hey, look, I I feel confident that they have the capability and the passion and the credibility to steward my assets to advance the causes I care about. And that's really what we're trying to get at. I mean, that's really amazing because when you think about it, I think, you know, if you're creating these funds that are around these different values needs, that also has to create a lot of new economic opportunity for organizations that can leverage that. Well, there's no question, right? So if you look at our NAACP screen, so we help them develop social screens. We then Sustainalytics scores all of the public companies based on those social screens. Then Morningstar is our index provider. They actually create the portfolio that we then track. But if you look at the screens themselves, to your point, right, we look, we look at, you know, supplier diversity programs, right? We look at digital divide programs, community engagement programs. So what we're really trying to identify are those companies that are actively engaging um, communities of color and bringing them into the fold, right? Not just selling products and services into a, into a community, rather being an active participant in a contributing stakeholder in their in their communities. That's the NAACP. We also have the YWCA Women's Empowerment Fund, which we have 19 social criteria that we've developed there. And then um, last month, we launched a fund with the United Nations that's identifying those large multinationals that are running their companies consistent with the Sustainable Development Goals, but also actively engaged in the 47 least developed countries. So in there, you're really talking about lifting up global communities in frontier markets, all the while earning an equity market rate of return. And it sounds like, if I'm understanding everything correctly, this is also going to push a lot of organizations to really promote a lot of good things in the world too. Because I mean, in order to participate in the things that you're developing, it sounds like you've got your criteria. And so it's going to put, I think, there are a lot of organizations that are still developing in terms of how they connect with some of the things that demonstrate greater social progress. And so this might put, is that fair to say? No, that's that's exactly right. So if you think of the social criteria that we've developed with our social advocacy groups, it does a couple of things. It, it provides the private sector with a roadmap, right? So if you ask any public company today, hey, are you guys committed to diversity or empowering people of color? Every single one of them would say, yeah, absolutely. These, look at this program. We have this program or that program. But there's really never been a common platform, a common language that we can all agree on and sort of engage around and say, okay, here are the 12 things that the NAACP thinks identify those companies that are really empowering people of color. And this is how you score relative to those, right? And oh, so that's the roadmap. And so now you know you know, hey, I need to fix these six things in order to be considered a leader relative to this cause. And then also to be recognized as a leader by inclusion in um, the index and NAACP fund. You know, it's important to note also that Impact Shares is a 501c3 nonprofit. And so we really operate, build, operate, and distribute these funds in collaboration with and for the benefit of our social advocacy groups. So the net advisory proceeds, instead of being 
you know, profit to some large asset manager go back to our social advocacy partners as another form of revenue to create additional impact with the private sector. So it's kind of this virtuous circle of capital designed to advance the causes that you care most deeply about. And then each each social cause is separately investable. So you can take a small portfolio and say, I want to invest you know, 25% in women, you know, 25% in uh, people of color, 25% in, in sort of the United Nations frontier markets, and then maybe 25% in gun control or heart health or affordable housing or affordable health care, you name it. And then to your point on discover your values, you've then created an alignment between your capital and your own personal system of social priorities. That's great. And so you mentioned you've, you've got something with the NAACP and I believe the, the YWCA. What other needs are being expressed in terms of values of things that your organization would like to get into and, and develop funds for? So we are cause agnostic, right? So our goal is to have every social cause reflected in a separately investable exchange-traded fund that is reflective of a collaboration with a leading social advocacy in that cause. And the goal would then be, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the individual investor can create a bespoke, socially responsible investment portfolio. But more importantly, the platform itself becomes a barometer for social priorities, right? So if, you know, every town for gun safety ETF has $100 billion in it, that really helps to inform, you know, not only the private sector, but also the public sector when it comes to policymaking. It, it really helps to guide our society on where you know, we want changes. And then it also informs us on what those changes look like, right? So, hey, you know, every town for gun safety has these, you know, two dozen different social screens that, that, that they believe to be important for the private sector. Then that provides the private sector with an indication as to whether or not, hey, okay, this is important to my stakeholders and here are the things that I need to do in order to be recognized as a leader in this cause. Therefore, I will change my corporate policies, maybe my products and services in order to align my corporate ethos with this cause because it's important to my stakeholders. How does values-based investment compare with charitable giving? I realize one is, you know, you're giving away your money and another is not. But can you explain for our listeners just the difference between the two? That's a great question because it's really part of a holistic use of all of your resources to reflect your values, right? So, you know, and I know you do some work with, uh, you know, typical um, companies that are producing products and services that align with consumers' values. So, so people make consumption choices based off of their values. And, you know, maybe that's animal testing, maybe it's low carbon, you know, maybe it's sort of a Tom's type uh, scenario where they're giving back. But for us, it's really about leveraging all the resources at your disposal and ensuring that they reflect a sort of a social outcome that is consistent with your values. The way we construct our portfolio, we have, in each case, we have the 200 leading companies. In the case of the NAACP and YWCA, those are domestic companies. In the case of the UN, those are global. But we construct the portfolio so that it minimizes tracking error to the broader market. So it's called market optimization. So you know the weightings in your portfolio align with you know, the industry, the small to large cap structure, the growth versus value tilt of the broader market. So our goal is that you are reducing your financial exposure to any financial factor. And the only factor you're really being exposed to 
are those companies doing the most to advance those causes that you care about? What we say is, unlike charitable giving, where you're actually giving your resources out as a charitable gift and you know you, you don't necessarily get to follow the impact that it has, here you're really aligning your investment portfolio with a leading social advocacy group in a cause. And then you get an annual report that says, okay, these companies fell out of the index. These companies were added because these specific programs or changes were made within their business. And so you, and and oh, by the way, here's your return, right? You meet the market return. So you're still earning a return while arming these social advocacy groups with a, the capital markets tool they need to create change in the private sector. And remember, Jacob, in the US, the private sector controls over two thirds of the gross national product, right? You know, roughly 25% goes to the government and then another 7% to nonprofit. So if you can change the private sector's way of organizing and interfacing with their stakeholders, then you're making a meaningful change, even if the change is relatively small. What's been your biggest surprise since you started this company? Yeah, just how different each social advocacy group is. You know, in some cases, they're really interested in the additional revenue stream. In some cases, they're really interested in creating that corporate engagement. You know, they, they each kind of have their own motives and incentives. And we've had no shortage of social advocacy groups wanting to do strategies. For us, the real limiting factor is, you know, we need scale in the funds. You know, I should mention the Rockefeller Foundation is funding this, the company. We're 501c3, so we don't get traditional VC funding, right? So we, we have to go to philanthropic organizations. The engagement comes with with advertising and marketing and getting the word out and create and getting um, awareness from the investing public, and that costs money because we're going up against you know some of the largest companies in the world and you know banks and large investment um, houses. It's been very rewarding, but the need for funds are no less important in the private sector, particularly when you're going up against large public sector public competition. So for the you know traditional corporate employee who's listening and they work for Fortune 100 or Fortune 500, they might have you know Fidelity 401k account. How do they get into impact shares? How do they get into these these values based kind of investment programs from where they're at right now? Well, I'll say broadly, all of our strategies are available in exchange-traded funds. So you can log into your brokerage account just like you would buy a share of any publicly listed company. So you know the NAACP Minority Empowerment trades under ticker NACP. The YWCA Women's Empowerment trades under ticker WMOMN. And the United Nations trades under ticker SDGA for Sustainable so it's very easy to, to find. What's interesting about, you know, you mentioned 401k is 401ks are and IRAs are all subject to the Department of Labor's ERISA standards. And under previous administration, there was a lot of work done on making socially responsible investment strategies available under ERISA programs. And that represents anywhere from 14 trillion to 21 trillion of investable assets here in the United States. There was basically an explicit endorsement in 2015 of ESG strategies for ERISA-qualified plans. The new administrations rolled that back a little bit, but there's still general acceptance that letting your capital speak for your system of values is an important factor in any financial decision. So that's a real positive step forward. If you go to your 401k and, and ticker 
WOMN isn't available, you know, you can always ask your plan administrator and say, hey, look, really want to invest in this fund because these are the values that it speaks to. I would say another really important thing, if you are working for uh, Fortune, you know, whatever, any company, any publicly listed company, I would ask, hey, you know, these, these public, these holdings are all publicly available. So are you working for somebody that's in the index? Are you buying from suppliers from people that are in the, in the index? Are you selling to customers for the people that are in the index? If not, why not? And, you know, just know, and I'm not saying you should stop doing, you know, you should only do business with people in the index necessarily, but just understand that maybe, you know, there's a competing supplier or customer that uh, is in the index that you may want to favor or at least challenge your stakeholders, including your own company, to better understand why they don't prioritize the values that you share. That's how I would say you can most effectively engage. I have fidelity because I was in a Fortune 100 for a long time, but a few years back, they opened up uh, beyond the standard plan because, you know, a lot of corporations, they have like a select set of stocks that you could, you know, or funds that you could invest in. And then a few years back, Fidelity opened up Brokerage Link. And so you could then pull out, out of the standard pre-selected stuff and then just go straight to the exchange. So I'm curious, I'm going to have to go check and see... um, that pulls up, but I'll definitely list these ticker symbols there. But for folks that are listening that are on Fidelity, you may want to check out Brokerage Link as an option. And a lot of people don't know about that. And a lot of people think that you have to pick what the company gives you, but that was opened up a couple of years ago and it allowed me to put investments in things that, you know, that were not, you know, part of the standard kind of corporate plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As more people begin to take a values-based approach to their investments or recognize that that's important to them and want to make values-based investments, how significant will these investments change the initiatives that they support? What can people expect 5, 10, 20 years down the road as a result of this kind of new strategy in investing? I think it remains to be seen, right? But you know, part of this initiative is also to allow the private sector to engage with their employees and their stakeholders. And I will say that changing demographics play a key role here, right? Morgan Stanley did a piece that that 85% of millennials want social considerations in in their portfolio. 76% of women want social considerations in their portfolio. And and that compares to roughly half of, of sort of men. So I think as the demographics continue to change, I think investors, consumers, employees will be asking these questions of their organizations. Because, I mean, a company is nothing more than a way of organizing people to accomplish a common goal, right? And so we as employees or investors or, you know, stakeholders need to start asking these questions of our organizations, right? Because we're part of it and we can play a valuable role in changing not only the trajectory of these individual companies, but of our society at large. And this really is just another way of providing a tool to make those engagements more effective and meaningful, right? So you're not just going to social media and throwing up a hashtag. You're really actually having conversations in the boardroom about what what does this organization stand for? How do we know that we're accomplishing those goals? And are we being recognized for the initiatives that we've got in place? So it remains to be seen, Jacob. I've got high hopes that this is a tool set that the public will embrace and will start to incorporate in their daily investment consumer work life and push us as a society towards goals and outcomes 
that are more intentional and uh, aligned with our system of beliefs. That's great. And I think there's tremendous promise for this because there's a social consciousness right now. There's a values consciousness that has just permeating so many different areas of our lives. And so I think it's, it's great work. What are you most excited about for Impact Shares in the future? I, I can tell you that, that just working with our social advocacy groups brings a tremendous amount of energy and excitement, no matter what the cause. Whenever you're dealing with people that are passionate about their belief systems and really devoted their life towards creating positive social change, it brings a shot of adrenaline to you, particularly when you're used to dealing with sort of the traditional financial services, asset management, sort of M&A, hedge fund world that has great talented people working in, in it, but oftentimes they feel as though they're in a rat race and, and they lose some of that spirit and passion. And, and that's, that's what gets me excited and motivated every day, just continuing to work with people that are passionate and trying to make the world a better place. Ethan, this has been great. How can our listeners continue to follow you, the good work you're doing, and, and all the work at Impact Shares? Well, you know, I, w- I would say definitely, you know, go to your brokerage or your advisor, check check out the tickers NACP, WMN, and SDGA. Follow us on um, your various social media and online and hope to bring your listeners into the fray to engage the private sector, you know, for years to come. Ethan, I have truly enjoyed this conversation today. So thank you for joining us. That's been great, Jacob. Thank you. Absolutely. And for all of our listeners tuning in, make sure to tune in next week for another great episode. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Discover Your Values podcast. Are you ready to explore your values and create your best life? Visit discoveryourvalues.com and download our workbook to begin your journey.